I'm honored to be here with you all. Um, yeah, I, I, Pastor, you're right. I wonder if maybe uh, you all on the wings, maybe you all just came in, you didn't hear the, the, the request to come in the middle. If you could just find a place in the middle since we had other people. Uh, do you guys stay with me? Just uh, stand up for a second while they're getting uh, reseated. Um, tonight, uh, and I, we talked about that this morning, that to, this morning's talk was really to set the, the stage for the keys of which we're going to go through one at a time. And I'm going to drive for depth in each of them because the, the piece that the Lord really put on my heart was is that there are those of you that are, are <clears throat> there are those of you that are frustrated and frustrated with why things haven't moved. Why are things not moving? Why are things not changing? And, and sometimes we find ourselves in that place where we're writing things to the Lord or we're, we're, we're saying, God, why? Why are you not? Why is this not and why is that not? And it's often as simple as the keys. You have the keys and there's a door and you've got a key, and you keep saying, God, please open that door, please open that door, please open that door, and he's telling you, use the, use the key. And often as we walk out in our faith, we walk this journey with the Lord out, so much of, of, of that process is finding the right key for the right door and when we find ourselves in frustration please hear me when you find yourself in frustration the problem is never on his end it's not the issue is somewhere on this side we've got a, a you know at our office we've got a few different keys and I'm leaving, and often my team is who does the opening up and the shutting down. And so when it's me and I'm there late for some reason, everybody else is gone, I'm going through my keys. Oh, not that one. <laughs> not, not that one. And, you know, we set the alarm, and you only have so much time. Beep, beep, and the beeps start getting closer and closer. And I'm going through, and finally I find the right key. All right? And that really is what we're going to talk about. So I, I, it's, really, it's really important for you all having your Bible, having your notes, uh, whether that's on your phone or, or in a book, and we're going to be going through them uh, uh, together. Amen? You ready for that? So let's do this. Let's open up our hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, that you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Baptize us with that spirit here tonight, your spirit revelation come and be and as your child we ask father that you give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that we our eyes to be enlightened that we will know what is the confident expectation of your calling and that lord will know the depth of the riches of your inheritance that you have on the inside of us and that we'll understand the power that you brought towards us when you raised Christ from the dead, set him at your right hand, and put all things underneath him, and made us to be his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. Let us see that clearly tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 All right, grab your seat and open your Bibles. 
want you to go to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. Matthew 16, verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus said, said, I will give unto you the keys. Everybody say keys. Of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you will loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, as I prayed and I spent time praying in the Spirit uh, for tonight, I, I sensed a very unusual uh, change up uh, in, in the Spirit as I was preparing and I was praying. And I, so as I laid there, I, I, I laid there and I was praying, uh, I, I was there at Michael and Jennifer's and and, and it just, there was, this, there was this sense of heaviness, and I think, and, and I know what the Lord was wanting to do is get some clarity, and, and for me to really see and to hear something, and I heard him say something that I want you to take with significance, and what I heard him say is that the understanding of this message, the understanding of these keys, is the difference for many, the difference in life and death, some of your marriage is hanging on the edge, the difference of a marriage winning or not. Frustrations that you have had in, 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 in business, in your employment, uh, in, in, in church, in, in all of these areas, that frustration and the difference of you walking out success in your life and, and having failure keep repeating itself. And I'm going to say something with that that is so important for you all to hear that we, we often get used to failure. We, we <clears throat> set our faith or we've set our expectation or this is something that I want to see happen in my life and that doesn't happen in a month or six months or an hour or a year, or two years, or three years, and we lay that dream down, and hear my heart, we lay that dream down, we lay that faith proclamation down, and tonight the Lord is declaring for you to pick it up again. That you have let dreams go down, you have allowed yourself, the things you were believing for big in your life, to go away because you hit an obstacle. When the children of Israel went into the promised land, and please hear this, the, the, the word says that everything in the Old Testament was for an example for us as believers, right? When they entered the promised land, when they entered the land that flowed with milk and honey, when they entered that, what was the first thing they ran into? Jericho, this little, you know, there was this little tiny city, you know, with a wood lean-to fence guarding it. It wasn't, was it? It was a wall that was as big, as wide as it was tall. In, insurmountable. How are we going to get through that? Was the first thing that they ran into when they went into the promised land. When you set your expectation, when you say, and I am going to accomplish this, I am going to win in life. When you begin to set your expectations for big things, get ready. 
Because when you make a declaration that I am going to go into the land of promise, then guess what happens? You're going to face giants. This verse, and if you, uh, the, uh, you uh, that are running the Bible uh, up here, you can go back a verse. This verse here in Matthew 16 that says, I will give unto you the keys. It is preceded with the scripture that Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against. So then he immediately says, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you will loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Please let me help you in setting up this conversation about the keys to the kingdom with the proper spiritual attitude. Satan does not attack you. I, I, don't you love these things I throw out and you just go, what? What? <laughs> I love this because I love saying shocking things just to, you know, I, 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 as a pastor at this very large church in, in Colorado Springs and we'd always have people come up for prayer afterwards and I got really tired of prayers just not being answered, okay? Because people would come up and all they were doing was trying to throw a Hail Mary, right? All right, let's do a hope so. So people would come up and if it was little tiny things, I'd pray for them right there. But I became known as the pastor on staff that if you need, if it was a difficult thing, go to Bill. All right? So people who couldn't have children or, you know, bigger things, bigger issues, I'd send them to Bill. Okay? He's the faith guy. So get, it, get them over to him. All right? And so people would come up and I'd have them in my line. They'd come up and say, hey, Bill, we're, we're not able to have children and, and we, we want you to pray for that. And I would say, no. Wait a second, you're a pastor. And I would do it just to kind of shock them and then say, okay, what I want you to do is go get five or six scriptures, send those to me, we get an agreement on them, and after we've been in agreement on them for a couple of weeks, then we're gonna come in, and that way we can pray in faith and things are gonna happen. Right? Right, everybody? Sometimes we need a little smack up like this to get our attention for a second because we've got our thinking in the wrong place. Does Satan attack you or do you attack him? Three of you. But wait a second. I just feel this attack coming against me. Let me help you. We live in the same geographical area typically, right? You go from your house in the morning and you drive to work and then you get work done and you come back and you're kind of in the same place. So in the spiritual atmosphere, when something changes, you think that it came to you. You get that? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what happens though? It doesn't, does it? What did he say? What did Jesus say? And the uh, gates, wait, 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 wait a second. When was the last time you saw an army running out with their gates chasing somebody? What are gates meant for? Right? 
But what happens is, is as you are advancing, you're not advancing geographically. You're not moving geographically from one place to the other. And so you get caught up in the natural realm, and, but you're set your faith. And all of a sudden, when you set your faith, you begin to advance in the spiritual realm. And as you begin to do that, that's when you start running into Jericho. Gates. When you sense that, that means you've shown up at a gate because you said, God, I want more. And so he led you into the promised land and now you showed up at the gates. Oh, come on, everybody. One of the, the first beginning of this keys thing is Jesus setting up the correct attitude. And the attitude is I don't get attacked, I attack. Oh, come on, everybody. <laughs> we, we get some, we, isn't it, isn't it some, something how we get, we get, um, we allow these thoughts and these things to seep in and it means everything because when I'm here and all of a sudden this opposition hits me, oh my gosh, I'm under attack. And then, and this is the response when you're under attack, Right? You kind of start doing this. Versus when you know you just showed up at Jericho. Right? And I'm walking into the promised land, right? And then what am I supposed to do with Jericho? I get the word. And I march around that sucker seven times. And then I shout. And what do the walls do? Boom. But if they're sitting there going, oh my gosh, we're under attack. Uh, Jericho, they're, no, 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 it's right there. They're not attacking you. They're in their wall, right? You see the difference. Attitude is everything when you're understanding the way the keys to the kingdom work. Amen, you with me? All right, so here we go. You ready for some keys? I'm gonna start out this conversation about the keys to the kingdom, and by no means tonight is tonight an an exhaustive list of keys of operating, in the kingdom of heaven. But this morning, the, the foundation of it, if you will, is the way the kingdom of heaven works is very different than religion. Religion is, as I said this morning, the just as I am conversation where I came to the Lord just as I am without a plea, but that his blood was shed for me, right? And I didn't move from the column of not going to heaven into the column of now going to heaven, but still, just as I am without one plea, except your blood was shed for me. I'm not in the same conversation anymore. I move from that column up here positionally now, where the Father has set Jesus at his right hand, and where am I? Where am I? I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. And where is everything, it says? Every name, every principality, every power, every might. Where is it? All right, are we good to that point? So positionally, as a believer, I am not down there talking to the Father up here. I'm seated right here talking to the Father right here. 
that is critical with how the keys operate. Critical. Most, most lack of victory in our walk with the Lord is failure to understand that idea. Because we've been taught through religion or, or whatever our experience was that I am a sinner saved by grace and so I'm down there still sinning and thank God for Jesus and his blood so that I'm still a sinner but I still I get to go to heaven. And listen guys, religion and massive churches are built on this, this, I don't know how else to say it, comfortable Christianity. Because it's really comfortable down here. Stuff's not working in my life. It's just God's will. Prayer doesn't get answered. God's will. Things aren't going the right way. It's God's will. Boy, that's a cop-out, man. Come on, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it like it is. That's a cop-out. God gets blamed for more crud that's our crud than anything else. I, I'm just amazed how God puts up with it. He gets blamed for everything. Marriage failed, oh, it's just God's will. Business failed, it's just God's will. He's trying to teach me something. Trying to teach me something. Why was the Bible even written with as much junk that's out there that's God using to teach me? Why, why did he bother writing the Bible? But see, what it is, what it is is, we try to fit our life, our circumstances, our experience into a comfortable way of approaching God. It didn't work out. Things didn't happen. It couldn't be me. Couldn't be, could it? So it's got to be his will. That way I can just feel okay with the way I'm doing it. I don't have to change. I don't have to get discipled. I don't have to grow up spiritually. I just keep doing my stuff. Because it's his will. And I'm down here going, God, change this. And it's comfortable Christianity, everybody. It's soothing. It makes us feel good. We can sleep good at night when stuff doesn't go our way. Things don't happen right because I can point my finger at him. He's the God of the universe. He must have just not wanted it to work out that way. Please hear my heart in this, everybody. This that I'm talking about is spiritual maturity. I want you to go to 1 John. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 12. I write unto you, my little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you've known him from the beginning. Say, from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I've written unto you, little children, again, because you know the Father. I've written unto you, fathers, because you know him that's from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God bides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Notice he, named, he lists three stages of spiritual maturity. There are three. I write unto you, little children. He mentions little children how many times? 
twice. He, he then, the next stage is young men. He, he speaks to them twice. And then he mentions fathers twice. And it's very easy if you look through that to see the three stages of spiritual maturity. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven. When you're born again, you're a little child spiritually, you have a grasp that your sins were forgiven. That's fantastic. He later says, I write into you little children because you've known the Father. It's awesome. It's great. Father, you've forgiven my sins. Awesome. Most churches stop right there. Just as I am. Sinner saved by grace. Father, thank you for saving me. Phenomenal. There's a next stage though, and that next stage is, I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. The next space, uh, stage of spiritual maturity, everybody, is that knowledge and understanding that Satan is under your authority. You have now gone from being a child to a young person, spiritually. Right, you remember when Jesus, when they came back and the disciples were all happy? Because he was cast, they were casting out demons. They're like, okay, good, 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 good job, little guys. Good job. That's stage two of spiritual maturity. Stage three is very fascinating because both times, what did he say to fathers? What did he say to fathers both times? Because you have known him that's what? You know, I'll, I'll have to tell you guys, I've read that and read that and read that and read that. And I, I was just praying in the spirit, Lord, there is some deep revelation here. What is it? And it just opened up right in front of me. Why, Father, do the spiritual fathers, those that grow in maturity, why do you relate it to knowing him that is from the beginning? And he said, well, go look at both places in the scriptures where it says in the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And I went, well, wait a second. And he said, what's the Hebrew word for creator? Elohim is the word, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word for Elohim. The, the Hebrew word Elohim is creator. In the beginning, Elohim created. And then you remember I took you to Psalms 82 today? What did, what, what did he say you were? I was like, God. <laughs> it's so funny today when you guys were repeating what I was saying and you were all boldly declaring. And then when I said, and, and I am God, and, and Michael and I were talking about this and it was like, I am. A little hard to say, right? Okay. You are a what? Okay. Guess what the Hebrew, Hebrew word is? Elohim, the creator. Spiritual maturity is getting to a place of understanding that I am not anymore, that he is my father and that never changes. But now I understand as a father, I am a creator. I create things. I'm not just a person that things happen to anymore. 
I am not just a person that things happen to anymore. When he said you are gods, he said that he's saying you are little creators. You are creators. And that's why he told them in Psalms 82, why are you allowing things to continue? Why are you doing this? Why are you not feeding the poor? Why are you not doing things? Because God created us in his image and he is a creator. So therefore, I am a creator. Now get this, spiritual, spiritual babies don't get this. Spiritual babies are just starting out. Spiritual babies, I, I want to be coddled. I want you to feed me with some milk. I want, I want just, 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 you know, really chew up my stuff and process my food and scoop it down my throat. Come on. Come on. Babies. And it was all okay for a time that you were babies. And then you get to a place where you start understanding, I've got some authority in the name of Jesus. I can speak to devil. The devil doesn't just throw me around. When depression tries to come or fear comes, I have authority in Jesus' name. Good job, young man, young lady. Good job. You, you, you know what? You got enough of that milk and now you've advanced. Is he done with you there? He's not done with there, you all. He is not done with you. He wants you to grow to being fathers. And get this. Fathers on Father's Day are only celebrated if they have created someone. You are a father if you have created. Right? Yes or no? I'm not called a father by somebody if I've not created somebody. And I get the adoption thing, so just stay with me. We're talking spiritually. We're talking in the aspects of what God is teaching us as we grow up spiritually. I'm talking meat here tonight, you all. I'm talking about that God is asking us to go from being little children to understanding that I sit now seated with Christ and that I have the authority and the ability to create. That's meat, you all. That's fatherhood. The keys operate in the hands of spiritually mature. They operate in the hands of spiritually mature. So I'm gonna tell a story of this and this is gonna help to lay all of this out for you. I'd introduced Natalie this morning. We've been married 22 years. We've been married 22 years. Still likes me, that's what she says. I'm going with it. We had been married for maybe about a year and the Lord had me start my first business. And it was very clear that he had told me to start it. I was at some friend's house, some longtime family friends, and I just sensed his presence come on me. It was kind of odd because we were eating spaghetti. Not that spaghetti shouldn't promote the Lord's presence, but it was just an odd thing, right? Okay, so I'm sitting there, and, and they, I grew up with seven. There were seven boys in my family, no girls. And then they had nine children, Right, so this family get together was like a small platoon, okay? Uh, I'm not military, so I don't know the exact number, right? But you can get the point, right? Um, and so in the midst of all of this, I felt the Lord's hand just say, hey, Bill, I, need, I just need to talk to you. And so I, I, I asked the, the, the friends, I said, hey, do you mind if I just use a room? I'm just gonna lay down a little bit. And so I went and laid down and I just started praying in the spirit. 
And the Lord was very clear that he wanted me to quit my, the job I had and to start my, my business. Now, it's important for you to understand that this small town that I was a volunteer youth pastor in uh, was the average income was $14,000 a year. They were multi-generation welfare families. It was a very small town in southern Colorado, and uh, the Lord told me to start, start a business. So I, I did. I obeyed. I went and put my two weeks notice the very next day. That was a Sunday. So on Monday, I put my two weeks notice in. It was crazy because it was one of the best jobs in the area, which I was a department uh, director. I used to run sporting goods and automotive for this, this Walmart, this small Walmart that was in that area. And... Uh, so put my two weeks notice in and I'm going to start my business, right? So my wife is from France. She left France and all the really good food there and left her family and her family businesses and all of that to marry me, okay? All right? And quickly realized, what the heck? We don't have any money. I mean, we were broke. We were broke. We were broke, 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 broke. But the Lord had told me to start my business, I was very clear, I knew it. So I, I'm, as I walk through this story, I'm going to actually point out some of the keys and then we're gonna walk back through these keys and get some depth on each of them, all right? So Natalie and I got together on a Sunday, right? And we had the come to Jesus meeting around our finances. Anybody ever done that? Okay, and we looked at our finances and if we were to pay our tithes, that next week's service, if we were to pay our tithes, we would not have enough money to pay our rent and all of our bills. Anybody ever been there? All right? So, sitting there at the dinner table, those are horrible moments. And when you've been in those moments, those are terrible, terrible, very difficult moments. But those are moments that define who you are. And in that moment, we looked across the table from each other and we said, that is our covenant with the Lord, we are not messing with that, and wrote the tithe check and subtracted it from our balance, even though we, we, weren't, we weren't gonna go to church for a few more days and put it in the offering, right? So get that, because that is a critical step in this story. The next morning, Natalie, who had a part-time job doing some accounts receivable work, went off to work. I didn't have any work in my new business, so I stayed home, and when she left for work, I got on my face in the corner of this little place we were renting, and we were exchanging uh, uh, some repair work on the place for some of the rent, and I, I got on my face, and I said this prayer. I said, Father, we're in a bad situation here. I know the problem is not on your end. The problem's on my end. Please show me where I'm missing it. The moment I prayed, the second that last word left my, my mouth, I came up out of my body. It's one of two out-of-body visions that I've ever experienced in all the years that I've followed the Lord. And I come up out of my body, I saw myself on the ground, and I looked around, and I saw my angels standing around me, and they had the most bored look on their face you could ever imagine. I'm going to get into why. This one in particular, I remember he's like this, kind of doing this, and had this look on his face like, please God Almighty, reassign me from this idiot now. That's the look on his face. 
So I came back too instantly. Now put yourself in my place. This is early in the morning, and I'm just thinking I'm going to get on my on my face, and I'm gonna I'm gonna probably just spend some time complaining to God about my circumstance. Remember over there, God over over here, do something about that. But thank God I had learned to pray that the problem's not on his end, the problem is on my end, please show me what I was missing. I thank God for that revelation. And I prayed that, and he showed me bored angels. Whoa. So when I came back to, I'm praying in the spirit, and I said, okay, Father, I just prayed this, please show me and walk out with me what I just saw. And he began to walk me out these keys that we're gonna walk through one at a time here tonight. And as I implemented these keys, within a few years, all right, so around six months, uh, I'm sorry, around 90 days, my business started taking off. And within a couple of years, all the other folks that I used to try to get work from were all working for me. That's a turnaround. And here's this 20-some-year-old snot-nosed kid that's making more money than all of them and complete turnaround because of these keys. And these keys are what we continue to do and operate that we have people coming in to accelerated wealth, people that have been in the industry for decades decades asking the question what are you all doing where did you find this talent in this team where do you find these advisors that are so incredible where does all of that come from tonight you're going to get a good look under the hood as to why key number one key number one is do I serve money or is money, or does, do I serve money, or am I serving God with money? Money. The first of the keys has everything to do with money. Now, I'm gonna walk it out in two areas in your life. One is gonna start with the prayer, or the, the time we had that night when we made the decision of whether or not we were gonna be in covenant with the Lord or not. Jesus said this, you cannot serve God and money. You are either going to love the one or you are going to love the other. And I'm gonna challenge you because a lot of people, a lot of people think those people with a lot of money think a lot about money and it's all about money. Most of them don't. People with a lot of money often very little ever think about money. It's the people with very little of it that think about it a whole lot. The first key is how do you handle money? Does money, is money your God? Is money your God? Natalie and I had every rationale and every reason why that night we should say, you know what, God will understand. He'll understand. We need to, we'll pay our bills and you know what, and we'll just see. Every reason and rationale in the world right there. But here's the fact. 
If we want to operate in God's kingdom, we have to step in under his key. Tithing is not about heaven and hell. Please hear me. Jesus settled heaven and hell, right? His blood covered all sins. I'm talking about a key that does something so substantial in your life. So substantial. What does Malachi chapter 3 say about tithing? What does it open up? Come on, everybody. Opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. Tithing, everyone, is a key. Tithing is a key. If you want to operate in God's spiritual financial authority, tithing is a given. And listen, as a pastor and as a business leader, for years and years and years, I have had people come up to me and they give me every rationale in the world. I've heard them all. Tithing was an Old Testament tradition. Now, look, I know I'm hitting you. When, when, I start talk, when, when people start talking about money, this is why it's great that I'm not a quote unquote in the, in, in, inside the church walls pastor, right? I'm a business leader, so I get to come in and say whatever I want. You can't be saying, oh, that pastor just wants my money. I, no. I'm telling you, as a business leader who pastors in his business, I'm telling you, if you want to operate in the God-given key financially, tithing is a given. But there's reasons why. There's reasons why. Jesus said, if you're faithful with a little... You will be faithful with a lot. If you're not faithful with a little, you're never going to be faithful with a lot. So I remember growing up, my, my parents would give us 35 cents for allowance. We got a quarter and we got a dime. And <clears throat> my mom always gave it to us on the way to church. And when we got to church, she'd say, make sure and pay your tithes. So somebody help me with the tithe on 35 cents real quick. Three and a half cents. Did my mom ever give me any pennies? No. So guess what ended up in the offering plate most of the time? The quarter and the dime because you had to give tithes and offerings. She taught us from little that tithing was part of this covenant, right? But I got off to... I got off to, to Bible school, and, and I told you all this morning that we, we grew up with very little, okay? And I got off to Bible school, and I was in my freshman year, and my mom would send me $25 a month, and that was sacrifice for them, to, so that I'd have enough money to wash my clothes and, and maybe buy a little something here or there. And I remember sitting in church one Sunday, here's this Bible school student, I got $25 thinking I'm going to put $2.50 in the tithe plate and I got this bright idea that because I was in Bible school that I didn't need to tithe. That was genius, son, Pastor. That was genius. I'm going to tell you right now, the wheels came off in a way financially for me. I mean, boom. Terrible. Awful. Tithing, everyone, is my covenant access to the windows of heaven being open and pouring out abundance in my life. But it's a 
stewardship issue. I have a partner in life. I have a partner. And get this. He rebukes the devourer. My car, look, look, our cars last so long, we have to give them away. We've given more cars away than I can even remember. They just last forever. Our stuff just lasts forever. So my partner rebukes the devourer, windows of heaven open, abundance coming, and what is his share? What is my partner's share? Come on, everybody. It's 10%. When I bring my tithe, when they say, people will, you know, we, when we bring our tithe to the church and it's, it's now in the place where when we bring our tithe in that we, we get phone calls, right? Thank you for your generosity. It not mine. It's not mine. I told the guy, it was one of the accounting, from the accounting department. I'm like, that's not, that's not I'm not being generous. That's his. Do you get that? That's my partner. If I have a partner in life, that's his cut. It's not mine. And that's why he said, will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. How? Tithes. Offerings. Is it your money anyway? No. No. It is not. So if you want partnership with the Lord in every business endeavor, in everything that you do and undertake, bring him his share. Don't cut him out. Don't take him out. And it's a law just like gravity. If I jump off that stage, where am I going to go? I'm going to the floor. It's a law. Tithing is a key that when I pull it out and I put it in, it opens. And what does it open? The devourer rebuke, the windows of heaven open, opportunity, favor, all of that financially happens when I choose to be a tither. Tonight, if you're sitting here and you're wondering on whether or not you should, listen to me, do it. Do it. You might say, well, you know what? Like I said, I've heard all the arguments. It was an Old Testament thing. No, 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 no. No, they tithed before the law. It was, it was right out the gate. Adam's boys, remember the first big old fight was over the tithe. Jesus said, here today, men take tithes of all of this. He said, do that, but don't overstep the weighty matters of the law. Very clear, everybody. And is it because Jesus is trying to get money out of you? Is it because Jesus needs your money? No. I'm going to tell you the greatest partnership you can ever make. Young people, listen to me. The best decision you will ever make is to be a tither. Be a tither. Second key, second key, has, still has to do with money. Or I'm going to say this is part B of the money part. It's in 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. I have to spend a little time on that, guys, because... It's just something I see people get themselves into a lot of trouble because they mentally start negotiating. And when you start mentally negotiating, I saw a business owner, this guy tithed and tithed and God blessed his business, blessed his business. He had a trash company and his trash company grew and thrived and went to the place where someone came in and bought his company. Millions of dollars came in and then guess what? His tithe was too big for the church. 
I don't know if they can steward my giving anymore. Guess what happened? Wheels came off for that guy in every way possible. Look, I've gotten to that place and I thank the Lord for it. I thank the Lord for it. The we, our tithe, our tithe is, thank you. Our tithe now is way, 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 way beyond what we used to make in a year. Our tithe. It's what we've made in years and years and years and years. Do you think I still, here's the deal, guys. Tithe is greed insurance. I'm gonna say it again. Tithe is greed insurance. Because you know what begins to happen? All right, it was something. When, you, when you're first at bacon, maybe you made $400, 40 bucks. Yeah. Learn to tithe, it's my 40 bucks. What do you do when that 400 becomes 4,000? It's $400. What happens when that 4,000 becomes 40,000? Yes. A month. $1,000. What happens when your tithe can buy you a house? Oh, come on. Oh, wait, a, whoa. Um, you know, maybe, um, oh man, shut it down. Shut it down. You think you're starting to get too rich for your partner. All right, you better, you, you just better take heed to what I'm telling you. That is not your money. It is not your money. That's your partner's money. And your partner is who opens up the windows. And your partner is the one that rebukes the devourer, not you. When you think you're all of that in a bag of chips. Is that still an expression? If you think it was you that built that company. Look, here's the thing. Go build your company then. Go build it on your own. But if you want to do things based on the rules of the kingdom, it begins with tithing. I don't want anything built in Bill Walton's life that does not have to do with my partner. So therefore, 90%? I get 90? What kind of deal is that? Right? But guess what? It starts back here when we were trying to figure out if we paid our bills. And we made a declaration. Lord, it is you. You are my partner. All right, 2 Corinthians 9. I, I, I'm trying to move on. I am. I'm trying to move on. If you, if you have dealt with that and you realize I haven't done that well, can we do this real quick? Just, just close your eyes. Don't bow your head, right, because you're talking to your left. Right? Just close your eyes. I want you just to say, Father, forgive me for taking your money. Forgive me. You are my partner. Forgive me if I've done it just because it was the religious thing to do. Instead of it truly being a partnership. Forgive me if I treated it like I was being generous to the church. instead of bringing to you what was yours out of honor to you as my partner in Jesus name amen all right now look at me because I have people ask all the time well man I got all this past due tithe and all of that type of thing you know the scripture talks very clearly about something called jubilee and jubilee was everything in the past forgiven and we start over right now 
okay? Now, interestingly enough, and some of you might not know this, but you actually can borrow the tithe. There's a scripture that says that if you're in need, you can borrow the tithe. Guess what percentage rate the Lord asks on his money? 20%, 20%. He's quite the businessman, right? <laughs> Telling you what, man, I love that verse. You look it up, look it up. He's like, and if any man needs to borrow the tithe, I'm all right with it, but add 20% to it when you bring it. I love Jesus, man. He is such a great businessman, right? Because why? Because he's why? He wants to put in a high enough interest rate on it that you prioritize it. He doesn't need your money, right? He wants to teach you something. But listen, from right now, if that was your past, Jubilee has erased all of that. Tonight, you have accepted your place next to him and now you're gonna start operating as a king. And a king, everybody, brings the tithe to the partner, right? I don't play with it, I don't mess with it. I'm like, oh, get it as fast as I can to my partner, right? Okay, next part is giving, giving. uh, Chapter nine of 2 Corinthians, verse six. This I say, he which plants sparingly will reap also sparingly, and he who plants bountifully will reap also bountifully. Let each man do according as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or in necessity, because God loves a cheerful giver, all right? I'm gonna stop right there because there's something that I believe needs to be cleared up as it relates to giving that a lot of believers miss. And it's this verse, let each man do according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give. Say this, say, I must give with purpose. purpose. Say it again, I must give with purpose. purpose. All right, now I've, I'm also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrestle this religious, holy, sacred cow for a moment, right? How many of you have ever heard this saying? You should never give to get. Anybody? Doesn't that sound cute? It just does. It just sounds so nice. It's just not what the Bible says, but it sounds so nice. Okay, it's just so, you know, and pastor, this is where we go into some of our conversations of why sometimes when you make a stand as a church to teach the truth, and to allow the Holy Spirit to operate and that worship is real and the word is real and all of that, people that come to church, you gotta decide if I'm okay in a comfortable Christianity because as you said, if you want a comfortable Christianity, you probably need to move on down the road. But if you want a Christianity that you're gonna grow up in and actually produce and do things, then stay right here. Because the comfortable Christianity, people go in droves to those churches because you go in and it sounds good and everything smells good and looks good and you walk out that door the same way you walked in. And you hear nice, cutesy expressions like that. Now around here, we don't give to get. We give because we're Christians and it's the right thing to do. And everybody goes, oh. That's so cute. Oh, throw up. Why? Here's the problem with that. I grew up on a farm. That's the problem. Imagine some guy, almost said something I shouldn't. Imagine somebody coming to my dad when we were planting the back 40 
and telling him, now, Jack, Jack was his name. Now, Jack, I know you're a farmer, but you need to just plant that seed, not to expect anything from it. You need to do it because you're a farmer. So my dad was a Marine. Okay, where do you think that, that conversation would have gone? He wore some pretty good-sized boots. Things would have happened. Why? Because it's stupid. It's stupid. And you know why I get so fired up about this? Is because I've heard that mess for so long, and I've watched believers live subpar lives in the way they're supposed to financially, and because some nice person stands up and tells them, when you give, do it because you should. Wait a second. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. If my Christianity is uncomfortable Christianity, where I moved from just as I am to standing here and singing kumbaya and, and all that stuff, great. That doesn't work up here. That doesn't work for God's. I'm just going to keep saying that because it just makes you cringe. It doesn't work for God's. Because what does the word God mean? What is the Hebrew word? And what does Elohim mean? Cool. What does it mean? Creator. So when I give, what is it opportunity to happen? Creation. We used to, any of you grow up on a farm? Or ranch, and um, how many ever ran one of those uh, the the cedars, right? You 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 uh, get a tractor and you you plow the field, right? Planter, all right. You're out there plowing the field, right? And then you get this planter, and you remember who was it? Raised your hand. Was it you? Did you were what? Oh, you threw the seed. Okay, so I, I we had a little. We we were maybe a little more sophisticated. So ours was this this planter. And guess what you could do, depending on what you were planting, is you had these dials back there. Remember that, Michael? And you could dial it up so that you would get more per acre. And so if I dialed that sucker down, what would happen with my, my per acreage return? It go down. That's why when I read this, when I read Paul here, and he says, he who sows bountifully is going to reap bountifully and he who so sparingly I can remember as a little kid right because at nine years old man on the ranch I'm driving a three-quarter ton truck I was looking between the dashboard and the steering wheel man driving like this behind my dad on the tractor moving it from one place to the other and I remember as a young kid in there dialing it up when we were doing certain when we were planting certain things and then he said as a man purposes in his heart so let him give. Tell the person next to you, give with purpose or forget it. Now get this. So I'm sharing this story one time with some of our business leaders. And I'm teaching this on how for them to grow financially. And one of the guys who had some acreage, they had some repair work that had to be done on their property, Right? And it's very fertile soil, this whole area that they were at. And afterwards, he came up and he goes, Bill, my gosh, that just made so much sense. And he tells me, told me this story. He said they had this one area that got cleared out 
where the horses and mules were, and so they needed that seed to grow because they, did, they didn't want their horses and mules in so much muck and mud, right? So when they, they'd thrown and spread the seed out, they did it with... They did it with... They had some extra. And so there was this other area in the back. It didn't really matter what happened, so they said they just threw it back there. One area grew, and the other area didn't. And they couldn't figure it out until I, I shared this from the scriptures. Oh, come on, everybody. What did Pastor Marion say? Pastor Marion said, everything that we do here, there is a substance. And what is that substance? Faith. The spirit, everything that we see here, that you're sitting in, everywhere we go, everything we see was created from that which is not seen. It's the invisible. And when you put purpose with a seed it puts life into that seed. And when I don't put purpose with the seed, eh, doesn't really matter. So every religious bum who out there teaching people to give because it's the right thing to do, but not teaching purpose with it is killing off seed. So let me tell you what to do. This is how you do it, all right? <clears throat> Paul told the Philippian church that no one ministered to him according to giving and receiving except for them. Get that. Paul told the Philippian church, all right, the ones that, by the way, he said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches. That same church is the one he said no one ministered to him according to giving and Receiving, giving and receiving. When we planted seed on the back 40, just to use the word, in a certain acreage, we put in the ground what it was that we wanted to see return. <clears throat> Harvest, receiving. We put purpose in the giving and that purpose was twofold. So get this, what, we, what I have, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to break this down. What I have is a seed journal and I have it right here on my phone. It's a seed journal. And I challenge every single one of you right now on your phones, open it up, all right? Because I know you've been sitting there looking at it anyway. Open it up and put in there, open up a new note or a new word or something and put in there seed journal. And here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the categories that need to be on the inside of that seed journal. Because I want, I want you to learn what it means to give with purpose. So in my seed journal, I'm gonna switch over here to it. <clears throat> in my seed journal, I have the amount given all right, so how much seed did I put in there? I put Nick, right next to it the date. So I put the amount of seed, put this one here. I'm not gonna say how much. Put the amount, I put the date, and then I put to who it was to. Is this my tithe, yes or no? No. no. Because the tithe's not my seed. Tithe's not my seed, tithe's not mine. 
Tithe is who? It's my partners. The seed is the giving portion, okay? So I put in here the amount, I put in the date, I put in to who, and then I'm gonna have two purposes. I have two purposes right under it. This one in particular is an incredible mentor of mine, Pastor Isaac. I put in there the purpose of that was to bring blessing to his ministry, to, to, to partner with his ministry, to see his ministry, to continue to grow and build. Purpose, everybody say purpose. purpose. All right, did I do it? Because it's a nice Christian thing to do. No, no. boring, dead, doesn't work, okay? They're gonna do it. The second one is the purpose for receiving. What do I expect to receive? I found some old seed journals of mine going way back when I first learned this and I had attached to it house and cars debt free. So I did the how much, I did the when, I did the to who, what I was wanting to accomplish in the giving and then in the receiving. And I found this seed journal all right, and I think we just had gone through and moving when we, we moved out of our house to, to redo it and came back in and I saw through and I saw all the dates and it was so cool. It was so cool to see. I mean, we've been debt free for now years and years and years and years. And I look back and go, man, oh, look there, harvest. Everybody say harvest. All right, so now guess what? My harvest, what I'm giving, I have set that number, I've set that purpose way up here, all right? And that purpose can start with, we want to be debt free. That purpose can be, uh, I, I want my business to grow by $100,000 more a month revenue. I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm putting the seed in the ground to bless this, to partner with this. I'm doing it to, for this purpose, that I'm debt free, or my company grows, or my income grows. Attach a purpose to your giving. And guys, I'm, I'm telling you this because stewardship is everything. Stewardship is everything. You know the story of the talents, right? He gave one, one, he gave one, three, and he gave one, or two, and he gave one, five. Was it one, two, and five, or one, three, and five? One, two, and five. And he goes, when he gave it to them, he said, do business with this till I come, right? And then he comes back, and he finds the one had buried it, right? Now get this, the, a talent, you all, a talent is equivalent to a million and a half dollars in today's money. Because I don't know about you, but I got a little spiteful a little bit there about kind of feeling like the Lord was a little harsh when he came back and the guy had just put that talent in the back, backyard. And you know, when I was a kid, I used to think that was playing the piano talent, right? Right, so I was like, how does he put playing the talent in the dirt. Oh, he just must not have done it, right? But it wasn't. It was a million and a half dollars. I'm sorry, but if I give you a million and a half dollars and I, I tell you to do business till I come and I come back and you bury it in the backyard, I'm hot. At least you could have put it in the bank. Stewardship, everybody. Say stewardship. stewardship. Giving and receiving and being intentional on it is stewarding what the Lord gave you. Because money is powerful. And if I just willy-nilly do it, I'm not harnessing the power of it, okay? So giving with purpose is what creates this type of return. But I'm gonna hit it with one more piece with givers. 
Givers are who operate in God's blessing. People who are cheap do not. And once again, it is a key. It's not a heaven hell issue. It's a key. If a farmer doesn't put seed in the ground, what's going to happen? For a lot of you here financially tonight, a lot of you financially here tonight, you have no seed in the ground. You haven't put seed out there. So what are you, what are you thinking? You think you're going to operate in God's kingdom and the prosperity that he has for you? You don't have any seed in the ground. A farmer who puts no seed in the ground has no harvest later. It's that simple. Go back into your life and look through where was the last time I gave. And now from here forward, you're going to get in your seed journal when you give. And I'm telling you, I don't care what it is that you give, you put it in there. The Lord tagged me, it was a couple years ago, that he wanted me to start paying for everybody behind me in the fast food lane. When I told my team about it, they were like, oh, I'm going to start following Bill around. Okay? And we did it for probably a couple years. And guess where it went? I don't care if it was six bucks in the Chick-fil-A line. It went in my seed journal. Some Chick-fil-A fans back there. It went in my seed journal. Okay, I'm throwing seed out there. Some of you, some of you, and this is what I heard. Well, that's easy for you to say because you got a lot of money, and so it's easy for you to give. Nah, it starts right now where you're at. Because guess what? The numbers now just simply get bigger. That's it. It just gets bigger. And givers, you all, givers are the ones the Lord knows I can put more in their hands. And you know what? It starts with you by not being cheap with the servers. I'm meddling now. (laughs) Do you know who is known in the food industry as the cheapest church people on Sunday? So I ratchet it up every time we go into dinner afterwards. I give more. But it starts where you're at now. You might be in that same position as Natalie where you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills. Start right now asking the Lord, where can I give? And it might be slipping somebody a dollar. I don't care. You get some seed in the ground. And don't you be embarrassed by it. Somebody at work, you ask the Lord, Lord, you're going to tell the Lord, we're going to pray together here now in a little bit over this. Lord, tonight I have become, I have become a seed giver. I, right here, this one, right here. You can start giving me more now, right here. You know, all right. And guess what? He's going to tag you. Because it was not long after Natalie and I had that moment, and I had that moment with angels, and we're going to get back into that revelation. We went long, and I had built up $500 in my checking account. We had $500. Remember that? We, we thought we were, man, we had made it. We were like, because we knew we had one month's, we had one month's reserve. And we went, went to a church service, and this guy was a special speaker. And afterwards, the pastor took up an offering, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, how much do you want me to give? He looks over at me, 
$450. Lord, how much do you want me to give? Because that ain't right. $450. Natalie's sitting next to me. How much did the Lord tell you to give? You don't want to know. Remember that? (laughs) There was my moment. That was it. Do I trust him or not? Do I believe in what his word says? Give and it will be given. Wrote out that check for $450. Gulp. I call it the gulp moment. Have you ever had the gulp moment? Where the the Lord tells you to give something, go give somebody something, do something, and you gulp. What I mean by that is like, what? (laughs) And gave it. And you know what? At that moment, because our company, that was just when our company started going, I stopped dealing in hundreds and we moved to dealing in thousands at that moment. But then guess what happened? It's not long and we're sitting there and he tells us to give thousands. And we gulp, right? And then guess what our business went from moving in? Thousands to tens of thousands. And then guess what he tells us? I remember this one, this one uh, the, uh, uh, pastor was, this one pastor was in town and he's gonna stop on his way uh, at our house on the way out of town. And the <laughs> Lord says, write him a check for X. Gulp. Write it. We were on our way, we were on our way to spring break and we were traveling with the kids and the Lord told me about this, uh, this certain pastor, send him X. And every time it just keeps adding a zero. And now, you know what? It didn't matter anymore. Like, you know what? I'm so excited now when that happens. Even though my flesh is it, my flesh goes gulp. And I love when my flesh goes gulp because I know what's about to happen. Harvest, harvest, harvest. Look, look you all, I can guarantee, I can guarantee you that if I would not have honored him in sowing seed at $450, Never, never would we be where we're at today. Never. He who is faithful with a little will be faithful with a lot. And I can guarantee I would not be standing up here speaking to you today if we would not have written that tithe check out that night. Guaranteed. Why? Because Jesus loves me less? Yes or no? No. Am I any less the child of God? But what did I not do? It's a key, you all. It's a key, it's a key, it's a key to open up all that the Lord has for you. Everything. Do you see it, yes or no? Those are the two pieces of money. I wanna move into angels. That revelation that night, because this is a big critical part, key for us. Pastor, and I'm not sure time frame wise, and as long as everybody is good with me, okay, if you get tired, you can go home is what he said. So 
this, this you all, and I know I'm being very deliberate on it. I told you I was going to because this was the thing that I felt like the Lord really told me. It's more important that you get each of these pieces than we get some volume and you leave here feeling good. I, we, you need to get this and put this to place in your life. Tithing and giving with purpose and giving and looking intentionally on where am I to sow seed. You are here positionally now. It is critical where you give. It's important where you give and when you give. When pastor stands up here and you have an opportunity to flow in what this church is doing. Okay, I am going to go here. All right. When you have an opportunity to give and sow into the mission and the vision of this church, it's not if I give. Holy Spirit, everything I have is yours. All of it. Every dime, every nickel, every vehicle, everything under, every, everything, it is all yours. What would you want me to give? And he'll give you a number. He'll give you a number. Gulp. Hopefully you get to gulp. And you give. And what happens is, what happens is now I've got seed and it's attached to a project it's attached to something and I'm giving it for this, the ministry of this church to go operate in its full fruition, okay? For it to accomplish what God wants it to do in this city. And when you get about God's business in that way, look out what he does in your business. Because one of these, you know what? Here's a key, I'm gonna throw it right in the middle. I'm gonna put it right here with money. We are in a consumer-driven society, yes or no? McDonald's, we watch a video on how a guy eats it for how many days and his liver dies off, and what did you all stop doing? Well, some of you, sounds like some of you still do, but I watched that. I've not darkened McDonald's door since then. Okay, now Chick-fil-A, totally fine. (laughs) Because nobody's done that for 90 days and killed off part of their liver, right? My point is we're in this consumer-driven society. So how do people pick their church? The same way. Who was it that sang? It was Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? Mm -mm. Mm. What have you done for me lately? Oh, you guys sound good. I don't. (laughs) What have you done for me lately? I'm meddling. I love this. I could come in and I could just meddle and then, but this is true. In Acts, what did he say about a church? It says, and he added to the church daily. Wait a second. He adds you to a church. He doesn't put you in a church for what it can add to you. That's different, isn't it? I go there because they got a great children's ministry and a great this and a great that and a great whatever. No. Where have you been added? Come on. Totally different. Totally different. There are people all over this city going into all these places because they get the right feel or the right look. You have to go where the Lord has added you to. 
Because guess what? If you're not there, there is a subtraction that took place. That set of giftings you have, what God has put on the inside of you, you're not here for what you get. You are here because God wants you to add. And that's everything you owe. That's everything. And you know what that is? You know what that difference is? The just as I am crowd. Consumer driven. What have you done for me? Come on. Versus. Oh, she's good. Versus right here. Papa, where do you want to add me? How many played sports? Right? Remember that feeling you're sitting there? You can't wait to get in that game, right? Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Versus, what have you done for me? What can I get? You're a God. Come on, everybody. You're a creator. Your question is, coach, where do you want me? I'm ready to roll, baby. Put me in. Brilliant. See the difference? Key. Key. Put it in there. I know I inserted it in the middle when we're talking about money and I'm trying to get onto angels, but it is critical. Key is where have you been added? Because there's people all over this city that are in, in, in going to churches that they've not been added to. Because why did they go? They went to get what I can get. What can you give me? The question is, what can I give? What have I been added to the church for? Why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I here? Babies, spiritual babies, feed me. Feed me. <laughs> I told you all there'd be some meat in this. And I pray with all my heart that you just, that you receive this in the heart that I'm giving it to you. Because it's time for you to step up. You've been frustrated. You've been frustrated. You've been knocking on doors. You've been pounding your head against doors and they're not opening. And it's because the keys You've got to get the keys and open it up. And one of those keys are it's time for you all to grow up. It's time to grow up. Keys, I don't throw my keys to my 11-year-old. Not going to happen. What's she going to do with that beamer? She'll probably have some fun. Hurt herself and everything else. I'll throw my keys to the older. Keys belong to fathers spiritually, not little children. And you've got to answer that question. Where do have I been added to? All right, I'm getting out of my, my, um, my seed journal. Did you see the seed journal, yes or no? Yes. Did I explain it okay? Yes. Let's go to... I want you to go to Revelations. I'm sorry, Hebrews. I'm gonna go back to that vision that, uh, that I talked about, about the angels, and I think that's probably the last part I'm gonna have time for, the last key, is to talk about that. Do 
Hebrews chapter one and verse 14. The book of Hebrews was written in part to clear up angel worship. There was a whole group of folks at that time that they would worship angels in addition to worshiping the Lord. And, and, and Paul, or whoever you believe, Apollos, uh, the author of Hebrews, opens it up to clarify it, okay? Now I'm gonna take you back into my vision the Lord gave me. I'm struggling financially. I tell him, Lord, I know the problem's on my end. It's not on yours. Where, where am I missing it? And what did he show me? What did he show me? Bored angels. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Okay. Well, as I laid there, I said, okay, okay, Lord, I know what I just saw. I saw bored angels. And I asked you to show me where I was missing it, why we're struggling, why things aren't going well. Please explain it to me. So he took me to Hebrews chapter one. And in there, Paul or whoever's writing is explaining what angels are. And it says in verse 14, are not all angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany, protect those who inherit salvation. In quotes, and this is the Amplified, of course they are. Again, are not angels ministering spirits sent to minister, the King James says, for those that are heirs, everybody say heirs, of salvation. Okay, so here's what the Lord is wanting to show what he wanted to show me and what I'm showing you tonight as one of the critical keys to the kingdom. As those that are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above every name that is named, above everything, above every power, above all things, part of that is I am so critical and so important to the kingdom of God that he assigned angels to minister for me, not to me, for me. And that's the critical difference. He said, Bill, you were taught in Sunday school that angels were given to you to protect you from stubbing your little toe, to, you know, kind of be around you. No. They are there to minister for you. So he said, just like employees, you have employees, you tell them what to do, you need to do the exact same thing. I'm going to let that sink in. Because once again, I know what I'm kicking against here. I am kicking a little against the religious idea of the I'm down here. And God is where? And guess who else is up there with him? Jesus. And guess who else? All the angels. And I'm just little saved by grace boy over here. And all the angels and everything else are up here. And so guess what? They're above me. And as I mentioned earlier today, in Psalms it says, who is man that you are mindful of him? Hasn't he been made a little lower than the angels? That was before Jesus, right? That was before this, right? This was before the just as I am moment that now where am I seated? In Christ, and what's below Christ? Everything. everything. So now positionally in Christ, I moved from below everything, including the devil. Yes. Everything. And now positionally, where am I? Let it sink in. Sila moment. You are God's. You are God's. You are a king 
Revelations 1, he has made us to be kings and we are in the kingdom of God. And a kingdom is a place where a king dominates and a king dominates with servants, those that work for him. And one of the critical missing pieces for most believers is they don't ever give their angels anything to do. You don't put your staff to work. I've got an incredible staff of people. I walk in the door. When I walk in, what do you need? If I need coffee, Bill, your 10 o'clock is there. Go there, do this. They bring, me, they bring me documents. They put the plans together for me to look at. They do all of this stuff. What would it be someday if I went into my office and Reagan is, Reagan is one of my, I'm, that, she's just incredible. Organizer, all of this. Imagine me sitting in my office and I say, Lord Jesus, please have Reagan call Jim to set up an appointment. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Ain't no Jim walking in my door. But I asked God, didn't I? Here's the, here's the thing that people need to learn. There are things I need to pray and there are things that as seated with Christ, I need to say. I need to pray and I need to say. Here's what I, and people have gotten part of this revelation. They're like, Bill, you know what? I've been praying for the Lord to send, me, send my angels and I just can't, it's, nothing's working. There's your problem. Do I pray and ask the Lord to tell my earthly employees to go do things or do I tell them to go do things? I do. Now there's a couple key components and some verses that we need to read through to understand angels and their power. And this is what the Lord walked me through, okay? And if you guys can give me another, I'm gonna say 20 minutes, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get there. So I know I'm keeping you long, so that's the last you're gonna hear me mention it because this is, I'm, I'm hoping this is worth a worth stay. Because this changed my life. This stuff we're talking about and learning how to operate in the keys changed my life forever. And he walked me through specifically how to do it. But first I had to understand who I am. Because if I don't understand I have authority over angels, this revelation means nothing. If I think I'm down there, this, this, this thing's a non-starter. But now that I understand I'm here and the angels are waiting for me to tell them what to do in the army, I, now I understand it. I totally got it. I have nothing going on in my business. I am failing miserably. We are running out of money. We can't pay our bills. And it's because the most powerful, important employees that were assigned to me as a king, I haven't told them what to do. And so that guy is sitting there. God, please reassign me. There's got to be someone who gets it. And I'm gonna tell you right now, tonight this room is filled with angels that are bored out of their mind. Your angels are so bored and it's because you have no idea who you are in Christ. You do now. You've had no idea how powerful you are. 
and you've been down there praying to God for him to do things in your life and he's been looking over to his right going, how long are you gonna let this continue? How long are you gonna keep doing this? How long are you gonna keep allowing that? And we got communication. You're down there trying to communicate to him and he's looking over to his right trying to communicate to you. And the angels are sitting there bored out of their mind. Demons are fallen angels, yes or no? Demons, how many of you have ever sensed a demonic presence trying to influence you to do something wrong? Right? We have our flesh, right? And the flesh is, is geared to do things wrong. But when you have a demon, there's unclean spirits, which are perverse spirits that go to influence people to, to get their minds all dirty. You have spirits of infirmity, which your body, which is in a fallen world, is already fighting sickness. But that in spirit of infirmity comes in and influences and magnifies it even more. Yes or no? Yes. So, Demons are influencers in the wrong direction. Yes or no? So, but they're fallen angels. So what are angels intended to do? Influence. Influence people on behalf, it says here in Hebrews, of those that are heirs, those that have inheritance of salvation. That's you. So you as an heir, you have an inheritance, all of these things for you to walk in and and operate in, and angels have been given to you to go and influence to bring that in. Do you see that, yes or no? I want you to go to 2 Kings. Um, Yeah, 2 Kings, and we're going to start verse 15. I'm gonna just read a couple of these and then get into some specifics. There was a certain a servant of the man of God got up early and went out and behold, there was an army with horses and chariots encircling the city. Elisha's servant said to him, oh no, my master, what are we to do? Elisha answered, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. And when the Armenians came down, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike these people with blindness. And God struck them with blindness according to, to Elisha's word. And then basically the whole army fell, fell to him and his servant. Why? Because of angels. Because of angels. Psalms 103, verse 20. And I'm not gonna read any more verses beyond this because there's so many out there that talk about how angels stepped into moments of time and destroyed armies, brought death and and deliverance to the people of God. Angels are bad. They kick rear. They walk into situations and change things night and day. They walked into armies and obliterated them, right? So you can read story after story after story. And one of the best books on angels is by uh, Bishop David Oyedipo. Write it down. On angels, Bishop David Oyedipo, he pastors the largest church in the world now. He just surpassed the, uh, um, the Korean church. They have 
I, in, in attendance on every Sunday morning, I think there are around four or 450,000 people every Sunday uh, in attendance. And then you make all the other chains and all of that, there's well over a million in his, in his church. That, he has one of the best books on it, okay? Psalms 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments, obeying the voice of his word. Obeying the voice of his word. Now, here is what the Lord told me. He took me to Hebrews. He showed me that I have angels that are there to minister for me, right? Then he took me to Psalms and he said, what do angels listen to? It says, angels obey the voice of God. And then he said this to me. He said, Bill, my word is as powerful in your mouth as it is in mine. If you will begin to speak my word over you, morning and night, angels will begin to move on your behalf and begin to influence and bring in your inheritance. Okay, so get this. He spoke to me, told me to write down Deuteronomy chapter 28, the first 14 verses. Deuteronomy 28, and if you guys will pull those up, Deuteronomy 28, the first 14, 14 verses, is the explanation of the blessing of the Lord. Amen. It explains God's blessing. Now, I, I know, guys, shake off a little bit, because I know you've been sitting here a while, and my uncle always told me, never keep people, people's brain can only absorb what their backside can stand. So I get it, all right? My uncle Gary is speaking to me right now, so I get it. So shake it off just a little bit, because I need you to get this. Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses, explains the blessing of the Lord. And he says there that if you will obey all of his commandments, that these blessings will come and overtake you, okay? Now, did any, was anybody able to obey all the commandments? Jesus, right? So in Jesus, verse one is completely fulfilled, right? And that's why we get to sit up here, right? So after that, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for, for it is written, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. This is it. So Christ took the curse, which is verse 15 through 66 in this same chapter, and we get to have the blessing which is in these verses. All right, I'm throwing a lot at you, but you got to get it. So when I, when you see these verses, it is explaining the blessing, your inheritance that is yours, that angels are to go out and get for you. Now get it. Let's go. Let's read through some of those. Read through, start at verse two, please, if you will. All these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Blessed, that word blessed means to have power to prosper. Write it down, get it, know it, understand. It's not a Christianese word. It means to have power to prosper. You will have power to prosper in the city. You'll have power to prosper in the country. You'll have power to prosper from your children of your body, the produce of your ground and offspring of your beasts. How many of you have, how many of you have farms or cattle? Okay, so that, that's not it. What is that talking about for you? Your place of employment, your businesses. All right? The increase of your herd, the young of your flock, keep going. Empowered to prosper will be your basket and your kneading bowl. Power to prosper will you be when you come in. Power to prosper when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies that rise against you to be defeated before you. They'll come against you one way and run away in seven. 
Lord will command his blessing upon you and your barns and all that you put your hand to, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives. Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, and he swore to you if you keep his commandments to the Lord of God and walk in his ways. All right, it keeps going. It says, I'm gonna give you the rain in the right time, all of that type of thing. What the Lord told me to do is he said, take these verses and personalize them. Write it out. So this is what I did. And there's part, it continues in here. It goes, I am the head, not the tail. You'll be the head, not the tail. You'll be above only and never beneath. You will lend to many nations and you will never borrow. So I wrote out, Bill is blessed. I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the basket. I'm blessed in the store. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Blessed in the country. Blessed in the city. My children are blessed. My businesses are blessed. My enemies come against me one way and they leave in seven different directions. I'll lend to many nations. I'll never borrow. Okay? Uh, the rain comes on upon my businesses in the appropriate time, giving me supernatural increase. And people will look at me and call me blessed. All right? Alec, when we drove to school, I haven't driven him to school for the last couple of years, but I drove him for many years. And on the way in, what would we do, Alec? What would we speak? And say it. So I know some of you can't hear him, but he is going right through it because every single day, every single day on the way to school, we would speak that. And this is what the Lord told me to do. He said, if you will speak that every morning on your way into work and on your way back, angels will begin to go, okay? In addition to that, in addition to that, he said, bind what it is that you need to happen to you. Remember, we started with the verse and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you will bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you will loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he said, what do you need a month to live and give on? And at that time, it was $4,000 a month to live and give on. And that was a big step up from where we'd been. But that would get us to where we needed to get to. He said, so this is what you do. You bind $4,000 a month from the devil. Because where is money, everybody? Is it in heaven or down here on earth? All right? And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan down there is the little g God of the world, of the earth. So where's money? Down here. So if I need $4,000 a month to live and give on, do I look to my left and ask him for $4,000 a month? No. Got it? I'm not gonna look to my left. Who am I gonna look at? Who's the sorry sucker that's got it? Do you see that, yes or no? Satan is the God of this world. That's where the money's at. So bind it from his hands. So I said, in the name of Jesus, Satan, you get your hands off of $4,000 a month to live and give on. And it was taking every ounce of faith and revelation out of my spirit to say what I was saying. Because I was broke, people. I was broke, 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 broke. Bound it. And then I said to my servants, in the name of Jesus, angels, you go and you bring that in. 
You bring in the right relationships and you bring in the right resources for me to walk in my inheritance. I say it still today. That number has changed substantially, but it's the same thing. Every year, we get together every year on what I am binding, what I'm binding, and what I am loosing my angels to go and bring. Now, I know, guys, this will make religious heads spin like crazy. I get it. I get it, but this is me. This is, this is father talk. All right? So if you can't quite get there with me, meditate in it and stay in it and keep reading and become disciplined and discipled in it and you'll get it. I talk down. Get your hands off that money. Angels, you go and you bring it in to me. And then every day I'm speaking, I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and never neath. Because who am I? Am I an Elohim or not? Am I an Elohim or not? So I'm speaking, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. I remember the first time I did it was the very next morning that he told me to do it. I'm driving in a 1982 Chevy white truck that my father-in-law had bought for me because he felt bad for me because we couldn't pay our bills. And I'm driving in this truck saying, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only, never beneath. I'm gonna lend to many nations and never borrow. I felt like a fool. And so will you tomorrow morning. You will. But I don't care anymore, right? Because where am I seated? Yeah. Right here. And I'm speaking and I'm creating. And James says that my tongue is like the rudder of a ship, right? That as I move it, I'm moving where my ship goes, right? So if I'm speaking, I am the head, not the tail. I'm above only and never beneath. I'm going to lend to many nations and never borrow. Some of you have drawn back from your confession. Some of you have pulled back from saying what God says about you. And guess what? Any of you ever been sailing? Just let the wheel go? What's going to happen? A lot of you are just blowing with the wind. That is that world. Up here, you create. And the scripture says in Psalms that as I speak, as I speak, the angels hearken to the voice of the Lord. And I'm gonna tell you guys, I'm gonna tell you, you can write it in your calendar. It was around 90 days. I can't explain why. Around 90 days, I started getting phone calls. Um, you know, I don't quite know how I heard about you, but can you come over and give me a price on doing this work? Yes, I'll be right there. I ain't got nothing else to do. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> and pretty soon I have enough work that I hired somebody. You know who my first employee was? My beautiful wife over there. And then pretty soon I got more work and I hired somebody else and somebody else. And like I told you, within a few years, all the people that I was trying to get work from were working for me. Go figure. You know what? I was sitting talking to a young kid about this because I know it sounds crazy. I know all this does. I want you to think about this for a minute. How many of you believe that Jesus was born from a virgin about 2,000 years ago? Raise your hand. Okay. How many believe that this whole world, you know, we travel about a billion miles a day through the sky. We're floating out in this universe, right? All right. How many believe that God spoke that into creation? Okay. How many believe there's angels in the room right now? Okay. Um, how many believe that through accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you no longer go to this place of torment forever, but instead you go to heaven forever? 
Okay, you all sound like complete whack jobs. <laughs> True or false? Right? And the only thing that sounds wackier than that is the other side. That some plasma dealy bobber blew up at some time just right and all of this beauty just... I mean, it takes more faith to believe that crud than what we believe. Right? But it's pretty wacky what we believe. True or false? So you know what? You might as well jump all the way in with me. You might as well go all the way to the max. Why stop? Why stop partway into the craziness? You believe all this stuff already. Let's just go all the way. You're sitting there kind of playing with church, kind of playing with ties, kind of playing with the confession thing. Stop it. You're already a nut job. Come all the way. You are a peculiar people. Jump all the way in with me. Because I know some of you are going, man, this just sounds wacky. You're in church. You're already whacked, right? This is just the rest of the way. Do I believe this or do I not? And if I believe that God created all of this stuff with words, is it too much for you to believe that you as a God as well can create? Is it too much to believe that you can command angels? Is it too much to believe that I can command Satan to get hands off a certain amount of money and it comes to me? It's just a little more crazy than where you were when you walked in. Right? True or false? Okay, I feel this. I'm feeling this. All right? That's the way it is, though. And if you want to just go all the way, this is the way to do it. But here's the thing. Document it. Write it down. So what I did is I wrote down 4000 a month to live and give on. I wrote it down. I now call it my financial blueprint. And every year I redo it. And I work with all of our advisors. We do it together as a team. We put our financial blueprint together. And that $4,000 turned into the next year into 60. Then it went up to 72. Went to 84. And then I remember the year that I was going to kick it out. And I went to $100,000 a year. And I'm telling you what, it was like this monumental number. I'm like, who in the world makes six figures? Who makes six figures? And then I remember the year that it went to seven figures. Who makes seven figures? And then it went to multiple seven figures. Who? It moves, everybody. It moves, all right? And every year you need to move it a little bit farther. But some of you are right there where I was. You, you, you're just, you're trying to scratch by and just barely make it. Start right there. Move it just, just beyond the goalpost. If you're right now struggling at, at 2,000 a month and you need to get it up to three, set it there, command it, send your angels to go and do it. And every day, day in and day out, speak Deuteronomy 28. And commission angels, you go out and bring the right relationships and resources. Yes. Now listen, I've taught a lot of folks this. I usually get one or 2% that'll do it and watch their lives change. I don't know why. I, it's, it's, it's sometimes I'm, I wonder why. I think part of it, though, is actually believing who you are. But if you took good notes and you wrote this down, this is one of those keys. Think about it for a second. Close your eyes and look, just look in the spirit. How bored are your angels? Can I have somebody up? We're going to wrap up with this and pray together. I can have somebody playing. I don't know if they're available. Thank you.
Y'all have such beautiful worship team. Oh my goodness, man. Just bring in the presence. Y'all are spoiled with a church, with a church that believes God and believes his word and believes in worship and believes in miracles. And I'm so thankful that you've been added to this church, amen? Amen. So thankful for it. So as you're sitting, I want you to think about that. How bored are your angels? Have I been using the keys? For some of you, you've been kind of playing with this church idea. You're kind of in, you're kind of out, you're back and forth a little bit. Tonight, God wants to set a new direction and a new course. You all have seen today as we've talked about the idea of becoming a king and what that means, and I know that's pushed some of your comfort level. I know it has, it's pushed some of the religious buttons. As you close your eyes, I just, I really, I know that tonight is a night of deposit for you. That God wants to deposit some things in your spirit I know I've pushed you beyond the normal, maybe normal what you're used to sitting in a service. I get it. But I just felt as Pastor Marion said that, that there's, there's a breakthrough. There's a, there's a stepping out for some of you into a new place with him. And I think the most important part of this is that you really see how much your father loves you. That he loved you so much that he saved you paid for your sins, but he didn't stop there. He gave you the best seat in the house, which is right next to him. Best seat. And tonight I know there's some, there's some prodigals in the room. You know, the prodigal son that went and just kind of wasted what God had given him. Finally he got to the end of his rope and his life was a mess. He's sitting there eating pig slop. And he said, you know what? Even my servants have it better back home. I'm gonna go back. And he fully expected just to get a job working in the servants' quarters. And instead the father met him, put the robe on him, put the ring, which was at that time the credit card, the family credit card, gave him everything and fully restored him right back to sonship. And that's some of you tonight. Some of you just been sitting on the outside, just, just wondering and waiting. And the Lord wants to do something special in your life here tonight. Let's stand to our feet. With your hands lifted up. And once again, you're just looking over to your left. You're looking over to your left. When we pray and when we ask for impartation, We're not asking God way up there somewhere, come and impart. No, no, no. I'm looking right over to my father sitting right there. Saying, Father, I want everything you have for me. I know this word stretched me tonight. It stretched me out of my comfort zone. It stretched me beyond what I had seen or believed in the past. It stretched me beyond that to really believe that I am a son of the Most High. That's it right there. He's breathing on you right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You are my son. Yes. You are king in my kingdom. Yes. Yes. Yes, you are. Oh, Father, thank you for that. Let him breathe on you. Let him breathe on you. His love, 
Let Him breathe on you His strength. Let Him breathe on you what you need here tonight. Yes, a restoration of faith for some of you who have let things go. Oh, and some of you who have picked up pig slop in exchange for your kingdom rights with Almighty God. And that pig slop tasted horrible. And you have realized that pig slop is not what I want any longer. That's not what I want any longer. Father, I'm coming home. Father, I'm coming home. I'm coming home to your destiny. Some of you, that pig slop has just been the way you've been living Christianity. Subpar. Not what he has for me. Oh, yes, Father. Yes, Father. Breathe, Lord, on us. We are hungry, Lord for that revelation to walk out exactly what you have for me. So by a step of faith, if that's you in any way, shape, or form, just come and make a, make a line. Come all the way up to the front. Just step up here. What we're gonna pray is impartation in you. We're gonna pray that impartation in, on a couple of different levels. It's a little humility to come up and say, God, I need. But remember, once again, you're looking to your left. And I don't care where you've been. <laughs> I don't care what you've been doing. You're stepping up to your father and you're looking over to the left and you're saying, Father, right now, I want impartation. As Pastor Marion said, there's a breakthrough. This started something. This started something. Today started something for you Today started something for your businesses. Today started something significant for this church. Paul said, I have count all things. They're gone. Today is a new day for this church. Today is a new day for you. Today is a new day for your family. Today is a new day. It starts now. Wow, a whole church is up here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With your hands lifted, just praying in the Spirit. I want you to let it flow now. Just let it flow. That's it. That's it right there. Oh, yeah. I see destinies, I see, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, thank you, oh that's it, woo, ha ha, so mamba, that's it, ho 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 ho, I see businesses launched, oh hallelujah, I see careers blossoming, I see debt being destroyed, as your angels begin to go and influence and bring change, I see eternities of people that don't know Christ coming to Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Through your businesses, through your, through your lives, I see change in every direction as a result of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. That's it. Thank you, Lord.
with your hands lifted up, I want you to lay down weakness right now. What do I mean by weakness? A weak revelation of who you are. I want you to lay it down right now. Lord, I've believed a lie about me. I've believed a lie about who I am. No more, no more. I will not accept garbage in my life. No more, that's it, talk to him. Father, I have believed a lie about my ability, about my financial ability, about who I am, about what I can do. I have believed a lie. I humble myself before you right now and I believe what you say I am. I believe I am what you say I am. Right there, that's it, that's it Sam, you got it. You got it brother, right there in Jesus name. Right there in Jesus name. Hallelujah. I say no to you enemy. You have held me back as long as you are going to. I have allowed myself to be average. I've allowed myself to be deluded, to to be walked on. That day is over right now in Jesus name. Right now in Jesus' name. Because I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and I am never beneath. I am never beneath. And I'm creating right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Look at me, look at me, look at me. There is a, when Jesus talked about that one pool remember the pool that would stir at a certain moment there was a certain moment that it would stir and whoever the first one in would get it well that day's over because in the sense that there doesn't have to be some happening but it there are significant moments like this when revelation is being stirred that if you join to it and run run with it your eternity has changed forever and this is what I'm sensing here is all of you all of you up here saying, that's me. This is what I want you to join to. Remember I was talking about that number financially? This is what I need. I want your eyes closed. And right now you're gonna exercise. You're gonna exercise this first step of what I was talking about. That amount, what it needs to be, and it's got to stretch just beyond what your faith feels comfortable for. So if you've comfortably been at 60,000, I want you moving up to 70. If you've been comfortably at seven, I want you to move it up. You get the point. If you're at 100, you get it all the way up. If your business has been here, now comfortably, it's comfortable to be there. Now it's time to go up. If financially you've been at this number, he's now moving you up a little bit. Stretch out that, that your, those 10 stakes. So right there, Right there in your mind, you grab it. You grab it. You grab it. Now, kings, kings, look at me. Kings, look at me. That's you all, right? Kings, look at me. Are you a king? That number is yours. Now, this is a starting point. Math and, and, and learning about money and all that, it's just a starting point. When you learn that, everything else begins to move under you. Obstacles change. You're in this position, not under those things. But right now, you got that number. This is what the Lord taught me to do. And I told you this. You say, Satan, in Jesus' name, 
get your hands off of and say that number. So right there where you're at, you close your eyes. I want you to walk through it. I want you as a king right now, Satan, in the name of Jesus, you get your hands off of X every month for me to live and give on. I want you to do it again. Satan, in the name of Jesus, you get your hands off of X for me to live and give on. Now, angels, you go and bring it in through the right relationships and resources in the name of Jesus. And Father, I now praise you for giving me that authority in Jesus' name. I will never pray about money another day in my life. I as a king will declare in the name of Jesus. Got it? See, as I said, there are things that we've got to pray about, but there's now it's time for you to take that and now start saying, stop praying so much. I guarantee you never thought you'd hear a guy from this pulpit say that. Stop praying so much. Pray where you're supposed to pray and say where you're supposed to say and get the difference between the two. I don't need to ask God about money. I'm sitting right next to him. I don't need to ask him about employees. I'm sitting right next to him. I need the right employees. Angels, go bring in the right employees. Keep the wrong ones out. Clients, clients. How many businesses are dependent upon clients? Okay. All right. Angels, go and bring it. Do you know how many of you are not married and want to be married? Okay, a couple hands went down. All right, that's all right, that's all right. I'm still with you. How many want to be married? Raise your hand. All right. One of the verses I had in, in here was Abraham, when he sent his servant, he said at the, that the angel had been sent ahead to get the right spouse. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Angels aren't just for that, for money. Clients employees all right angels this is what on my list how many of you that want to be married have written down exactly the type of person you want oh there's problem one okay all right raise up your hand again say bill i promise i'm gonna write down exactly who i want to marry and ain't gonna be no slouch right a queen right I need queens I need kings right come on everybody and then here's what you do you write it down okay I want him about how how tall what's your name what was your name what is it Brittany Brittany how tall at least six one okay at least six one but get specific Brittany Get specific. I, I learned this and what's interesting, I left my Bible one time after I was married and I left it off to the side and I was playing drums at the time at, at our church and someone, the church was so full, they sat in my seat where I'd put my Bible and so afterwards the person looked through it and found the name and all that but they also found the list that I'd written about my wife back there. I wanted her this tall, I want her looking this way, da 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 da, right, okay? And he came, they, they came up and they go, did you notice how exactly your wife is like this list? 
Yeah. Why are we surprised? Are we kings or not? Are we kings or not? So you write down, here's, here's what I want. This is what I want them to be. Do you want them on fire for the Lord? All right, you write it down. You know what a supplication is, right? Is a written request. Okay, so I'm writing it down. All right, uh, do, you want them, do you want them fat or fit? Huh? A little of both? Fit, okay. I, thought, I was like, all right, whatever. Okay, write it out. Okay, what I want. All right, you want them sloppy around the house? You want them to pick up after himself? Right? Write it down. Write it down. And then guess what? Uh, just like I would go into Reagan's office and say, hey, Miss Reagan, I need you to go and call Joe, and I need you to set up this appointment. You get that list, Brittany. You all get that list. And you say, angels, go in, bring that in, in the name of Jesus. And just like, remember I told you the story how I cast that demon out of that lady in the restaurant? I said, in the name of Jesus, get out. And she, that demon got out. In the exact same way when I say, in the name of Jesus, angels, you go and you bring in that. Guess what they start doing? Are you kings? Yes. In the name of Jesus, go. And guess what they do? They go. And then all of a sudden, you got this guy sitting next to you. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Did you see what I told you? That some of you are knocking on this door. You've been waiting for the right guy, the right girl. You've been waiting for the right job, the right business, your business to do a certain thing. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And guess what God, who's God been waiting on? You. He's like, I gave you every, I've given you all these employees. Go. Go. But God, how long are you going to, how long God is it going to take before this is happening? And he's like, how long are you going to keep allowing it to happen? you get it yes or no see so much of this is for you to just go and begin to do so I told you there was two parts step one was this the second part is the impartation and I want you to lift your hands up and this is going to be simple because one of the things I love is that I know the Lord has put in me this anointing of business development this, this deposit of just crazy believing in what he said and taking it to the marketplace and taking it all around. I pastor every day in my market, every single day. And we get to see people's lives changed and people saved and delivered and baptized and all of that. And that deposit is here tonight. And with your hands lifted up right where you're at, you know, you know that you have sensed God's calling to pastor in the marketplace, to be apostolic in the marketplace, for you to go and bring in, bring in influence into the markets, for things to change through you. And some of you are already there. Some of you are already there. Some of you have, you've, you've heard the Lord talk to you about starting a business and doing a business and you've just kind of, you just kind of been afraid. Deposit right now. Father, with hands lifted up. There you go, right there. Right there. Thank you, Papa. Right there, right there. Father, release to your people their portion. 
Release to them your portion right there in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Release to them your portion. Power in the name of Jesus. Authority in the name of Jesus. Kings in the marketplace. Kings wherever they go as employees and, and as contractors and bankers and doctors and lawyers in every marketplace in the name of Jesus. Deposits right now in the name of Jesus.